It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to wall. Oh, yes! measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Hey everyone, welcome to your Thursday edition to Locked on Wizards podcast. Today we bring in a special guest, Becca Winkard, aka at BeccaMVP on Twitter. She um, also does a lot of NBC Sports Washington's Wizards hang time pregame shows, so we're excited to have her on the air. Um, And today we'll be talking about what's been most disappointing for the Wizards so far this postseason. There's a lot of different things to choose from, but we'll, we'll try and prioritize those. And then we'll also be talking about which Wizards team since 2000 has kind of been the scariest playoff contender. And of course, they haven't made it past the second round since, you know, back in like the 70s. But we'll talk about which modern team has kind of imposed the most fear in opponents' hearts. And then finally, former wizard Gilbert Arenas uh, had something to say about, you know, how everyone characterizes star players and that you have to be the one hitting those game-winning shots and you basically have to be Michael Jordan. And he defended LeBron James and a lot of other guys like Tim Duncan and Steve Nash who don't necessarily make those game-winning shots, but still are the star players nonetheless and the franchise cornerstone. So we'll talk about what Gil had to say. Right now, we're going to bring in uh, Becca Winkert. And Becca, I've got to start out by apologizing because you reached out to me on Facebook and you said, hey, I heard you're starting a podcast or you're going to be, you know, the Locked On Wizards host. That's really exciting. Let me know how I could help out. And I kind of dropped the ball and gave you all these like potential BS administrative type things for you to do, essentially saying like, oh yeah, you can get coffee, but I apologize. We're desperate for um, guests. We really want to have people 
hosting and taking some of the weight off me. So I, I'm really grateful that you're here to join us tonight for this podcast. It's great having you on the air. Oh, thank you so much. I'm happy to speak with you. And, no doubt. Um, excited. So um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself to start, just because it's your first time on this podcast? I know that we went to high school together back in the day, and um, you you do a lot of um, different Skype-ins and, and podcasting and have a huge Twitter presence um, and grew up in the area. So can you just tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, I started being a Wizards fan when I was young, very young, because I actually wanted to be a WNBA player, but unfortunately that didn't work out because I'm pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> so I just um, I decided that watching basketball and following the NBA would be the next best thing. And um, my dad's been taking me to games since I was very, like I said, very young. And um, Gilbert Arenas is kind of the person who got me really excited about the Wizards before I would just go to Mystics games. But when I saw him play, it was like, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm going to be a Wizards fan forever. But, um, yeah, so now I interact with the Wizards community online. The reason why I joined Twitter was because I don't have a lot of friends who follow the Wizards or, mm-hmm. you know, will be willing to, you know, go to a game with me and sit there while I scream my head off. <laughs> but um, it's just, you know, it's just really nice to know that there's other fans out there. And since I joined a couple years ago, I've been doing things like other podcasts and also Wizards Hang Time and Overtime, which is the pregame show. I'll Skype in an interview with them. And it's just really awesome to interact with the media as well as the fans. So it's just, I kind of feel like I'm getting the best of everything. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's, it's great to have you here. And we're going to dive into our first topic, which... I'm sure you can talk for hours about, but we're asking what the most disappointing facet of the the Wizards' two postseason games against the Raptors, both losses, have been so far. And for me, I think three-point defense has been terrible, uh, allowing 16 in the first game, and I think they shot about 50% in that first game, then 38% in the second game. But the Wizards, after allowing 16 threes um, in Game 1, they allowed 11 in the first half of Game 2, there have been some other disappointments. Um, we haven't seen uh, Tomas Sadoransky or Marcin Gortat show up too much. Um, center position right. and interior defense, rim protection has really been a weak spot um, along with perimeter defense. So defense as a whole is not looking too good. And then also, I know that it's not really Otto Porter's personality to be aggressive and want to score, but he has shot the ball fairly well. He just hasn't taken too many shots in these first two playoff games. So you would like to see him go off a little more, and just more consistency from the bench, because the bench played extremely well. They had 63 points in Game 2, but I think just 21 or 22 in Game 1. So those are kind of my pet peeves, and it has a lot to do with rotation, so a lot of it falls on Scott Brooks' shoulders as well. Um, I I don't know what he was doing with Tim Frazier and Tomas Sadoransky in at the same time in Game 1, and... It was not a bad call, but an interesting call that Ty Lawson was the first guy off the bench. Obviously, he had a big game in Game 2. So, yeah, I would say the biggest thing is just, you know, getting their head in the game defensively and getting some sort of impact from the center positions, even if that is, you know, just Markeith Morris and Mike Scott both having good games or Porter sliding over to play the the stretch four position. What's what's been pissing you off the most, Becca? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I'd have to agree. I mean, it's basically everything you just said. Start with, I guess, the three-point, you know, defending the three-point line better. You know, the Raptors, they have all those guys, right, Miles, you know, DeRozan. Like, they have all those guys, including bench players who can shoot the, the three, like, you know, very well. And it's just stressful because, you know, sometimes those shots from – those types of guys are going to be avoidable. You know, if they're hot and they're, you know, getting their open looks, like, there's nothing we can do about it. But the fact that, you know, from the Wizards' defensive effort, it's just not there. Like, you know, they're not, like, you know, looking to see where the ball is moving and they're just not defend defending, you know? Like, it's, it's almost too easy because if you see how the Raptors play offensively it's like they're doing the same three-point play every single time and it's almost like the Wizards aren't expecting it like the way they're playing like they don't see it coming and it's just stressful um something else that upsets me is also um Otto Porter because you know we know he can shoot threes and he hasn't been shooting them right as much I think that's stressful because it's just like you know, we have to look for him. You know, we have to give him the open look. We have to try to get him that shot because we know he can shoot those shots and he shoots shots, you know, when we need them the most. Same with Kelly. You know, it's, I mean, ever since, you know, maybe about a month ago, he hasn't been very consistent offensively and sometimes he'll make careless mistakes on the defensive end and, you know, just, those li- there's a lot of little things with each player that I feel like, you know, we had the talent before, but for some reason it doesn't translate well, and it hasn't been translating well. So I would say the three-point, you know, defending the three-point line, I think getting, you know, players to be offensively consistent and just, you know, it's like when you don't have defense and you don't have offense, you know, it's not going to work. It's just right. that's it. So I just, I mean, it's so frustrating. Like, yeah. you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's just, you know, just seeing a team that has so much talent and so much potential just crumble, you know, it's just, it's just so frustrating, like, as a Wizards fan, because we know how far they can get. And last year, we know what they did in the playoffs. And, we all expect better, and it's just very stressful, beyond stressful. Right. So, And, you know, you've got to give the Raptors credit at the same time, because I think them Absolutely. and the Cavs are probably the best two teams in the Eastern Conference because of the Celtics' injuries, and Philadelphia has, you know, they've, they've shown some weakness against um, the Miami Heat. You mentioned Otto Porter, and... Like, it's kind of been a, a knock on him who, throughout his career. He's got a lot of potential, but doesn't sort of fades in and out of games and doesn't aggressively look for a shot. I don't think that's going to change now. He might, I mean, I could see him continuing to develop, but, you know, being a more dominant scorer doesn't necessarily strike me as his personality per se. Um, So last game he shot 5 of 10, which isn't bad, and he didn't take a single three, only two rebounds and two assists, uh, 12 points total. He also had three steals, which was good. And then in game one, four of seven, so once again shooting over 50%. That game, he shot three three-pointers, made one of them, uh, finished with five assists, sorry, five rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block, and nine points. So it's not like he's, you know, dropping a goose egg, 
but you would just, you right. know, it's only like the Wizards are losing by 8 points, 11 points. So if he could just score, I don't know, like 5 more points, take maybe like 3 or 4 more shots, that's basically all I'm asking. Um, in fourth quarters, essentially, like we've seen how much Bradley Beal and John Wall have struggled in the fourth quarter, especially game one. So it would be nice if someone else could take on that burden. Uh, Markeith Morris played great in his first game, but then did next to nothing because he's just kind of been so inconsistent um the past couple of years only six points in in game two it's it's really tough and you would love to see Ubre kind of jump out and, and have another finish like he did um offensively in game two 14 points he shot well six of 11 um also five five rebounds a steal on a block but just his, his defense it's not like he played bad defense but still when you give up 37 points to DeMar DeRozan it's you know like it's kind of a wash if you're scoring 14 points because it's I mean you know unfortunately it's he's one of the best shooting guards in the league and it's really tough to contain him but 37 right. is, is way too high of a number for any individual player on the Raptors <laughs> and especially when they have such incredible contributions off the bench in my mind right um I don't know if you felt this way yesterday when watching the game but you know, I felt at some point the bench was making such a great run, and I found that the bench was contributing so well that when they put back in the starters, I was just like, I was disappointed <laughs> because it was like, I feel like the bench was keeping us alive almost in that game and alongside with John Wall. But if, you know, if you look at the starters and their offensive, you know, scoring yesterday, Keith Morris, six points. Gortat, zero points. Right. Bradley, nine points. And it's like, you know, Lawson, 14. Oubre, 14. The Mike bench Scott. outscored the starters 63 to 119 minus 63. What is that, like 54? 60, I, I'm not 100% sure. We'll have that answer for you after the break. Yeah, we'll, but yeah, it's, <laughs> we'll 63 is more than half of 119. I know that for sure. Okay, it's 57 oh, sure. and 63. I, don't, I actually, I'm going to stop embarrassing myself with this math. But you know what? Your math is better than mine. So <laughs> it would take me like a good five minutes to process that. So maybe in five minutes I'll have, <laughs> I'll have the answer. But um, it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy because our bench isn't known for, you know, keeping us alive in games. And this is an intense playoff game versus the number one seed. And, you know, they're all just killing it. And, you know, the starters are just kind of, you know, flaky. So it's really strange. And, you know, it's great that the bench is, you know, contributing. It's like, had the starters, you know, added those few extra points, I feel like we would have been in it. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's for sure is this offseason, the Wizards have to re-sign Mike Scott. Uh, he had, you know, he oh, shot 100%. incredibly well, 20 points in Game 2, 14 in Game 1, hit 7 of 10 shots in, in Game 1, and then also 7 of 10 in Game 2, So and th- four three-pointers in Game 2 as well. So he's showing up big time in the playoffs. It would be right. great if he had uh, Jody Meeks' two-year deal instead, but he's just got the oh. veterans minimum, <laughs> minimum contract. So, yeah, definitely right. a player the Wizards need to bring back um no doubt about it we're gonna take a real quick break from locked on wizards podcast when we come back we're going to talk about you know some of the various playoff teams that the wizards have uh boasted well not too many but since 2000 and it's been about uh seven teams we're just gonna chat about you know who is the most fearful opponent and which which wizards team kind of looked like 
a team that you'd least want to face in the playoffs. So once again, um, the guest tonight is Becca Winkard at uh, Becca MVP on Twitter. I'm Noah Getzel, Noah underscore G-O-E-T-Z-E-L. And the Locked On Wizards podcast is coming right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, everyone, we are back with more Locked on Wizards podcast here on Thursday. Um, if you don't already, be sure to subscribe to uh, Locked on Wizards on iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher, um, where else, Google Play, and check us out on Twitter as well, at Locked on Wizards. We post the links to all of our podcasts, um, and you can also find those on LockedOnWizards.com. So my name is Noah Getzel. I'm your host. We're here tonight. Sorry, today I get confused with these times with Becca <laughs> Winkert. And um, we are talking about which playoff team is kind of the most fearful. And I feel like the current team is more developed than the other uh, playoff teams in this John Wall, Bradley Beal era. But they're just such a loose cannon that they could beat anybody and they can lose to anybody. So I don't think they're getting my pick for the most dangerous playoff opponent or uh, playoff team in the recent Wizards, you know, modern Wizards era since 2000. Uh, In my mind, that honor actually goes to the 2014-2015 team because I feel like they were, you know, one dirty play by Jeff Teague away from advancing to Eastern Conference Finals. Um, That was the team that featured Paul Pierce, Nene, Gortat had, you know, a few years before he was, you know, actually a, a considerable con- tr- contributor um, as the Wizards swept the Raptors and took the, the Hawks to, to six games. And just the swag factor of having Paul Pierce, a guy with a championship ring who was played a lot better in the playoffs and talked a lot of trash and just struck fear in opponent's heart. Um, it, I, you can only imagine that if John Wall didn't have that broken wrist the non-displaced fractures. The Wizards would have been in the Eastern Conference Finals and probably would have given LeBron a good run for his money. Um, that's that's my take. So that's the 2014-15 season. Becca, what do you think? Which Wizards team have you been most excited about come playoff time uh, throughout your fanhood? Well, I would have to choose. I would have to agree with you, first of all, because I think it was really like a game changer for us to have Paul Pierce, you know, like a veteran that can just lead the team and show John Wall, you know, Bradley Beal, everybody, you know, who has potential to be the team leader, the way, you know, how it's done and seeing him, you know, make that shot that unfortunately didn't count. That was so exciting. Mm -hmm. And um, he just, he really knew how to make, you know, the team, gel and work together in the playoffs and if John Wall didn't you know mess up his wrist I agree that it would be perfect you know I really think that we would have gave LeBron trouble having Paul Pierce on the team but I'm going to pick the 2016-2017 team and the reason is even though you know they didn't have the veteran leadership I feel like 
we were so close to the conference finals, and I just think the core was gelling better that last year, and Wall was like at the height of his game. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's really important that the team leader is, you know, setting, you know, basically putting the team on his back and just, you know, setting an example how to, you know, be encouraged and get ready to face their opponents. And, you know, John Wall, I mean, he it was fun watching him in the playoffs. I don't, you know, how many times do we see him flex or, you know, scream, this is my city? You know, it's just like, it was so fun. And like, for me, being at Game 6 was just, like, the best moment of my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So, it's like, I'd have to, I mean, I'd pick both of them if I could. So <laughs> For sure. Um, and, you know, it's one thing that really irked me about that year, and technically it happened after the Wizards were eliminated from the playoffs, but just the fact that they, uh, Wall and Beal said afterwards, like, okay, LeBron is lucky that he's playing the Celtics. He didn't want to see us. Yeah, they don't want to see the Wizards. Like, you can't say that if you lose when you win, you know, like, of course it went to seven games, but still, like, well, if you lose, you can't be like, okay, well, they're lucky that they didn't play us. No, like, you guys aren't skilled enough to win a series, so you need to shut your mouth and go fishing, essentially. <laughs> you need to go back to the gym and figure, you know, figure this out. It's, yeah. You know, something we've also struggled with this year. It's just talking when we should be proving how scary we are and how threatening we are in the Eastern Conference instead of just saying it. Because, you know, if you say something and you don't back it up, you know, you just look silly. So right. it's, it's definitely, um, it, it was kind of strange to hear that, you know, LeBron didn't want to see us in the playoffs. Well, it doesn't really matter because we didn't even make it. <laughs> Yeah, um, another team that that really uh, could have you know done some things if they weren't facing LeBron was the o five o six Wizards. They lost in um, the first round to the Cavs in six games uh, in two thousand six. I'm not quite sure how far the Cavs advanced. I think they lost to the Heat, who ended up winning the championship that year against um, Shaq and Flash. Wade, but that was the year that Gilbert was averaging 29.3 points a game, and I'm pretty sure it was the same year that he had a, a like walk-off buzzer beater just about every game, and we're going to hear right. later in this podcast about what he has to say about how good a player you are if you're making those game-winning jumpers um, versus you know supporting the team throughout the game, and I'm sure it's, it's kind of funny to me. We'll talk about this in a sec, but as a guy who's consistently hitting game winners, you would think that he'd have more stock and more value and you know, like higher regard for that those types of players, but we'll let you know exactly what he says coming up in just a minute. Um, do you feel this is kind of a long shot, but in the two thousand one, two thousand two teams and two thousand two, two thousand three teams, especially the 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 earlier team when uh, Michael Jordan averaged twenty two points, the team wasn't good. That's a fact. Thirty seven and forty five um, finished fifth place in the Atlantic Division. Somehow, that's kind of. Surprising, but do you feel like if Jordan would have made the playoffs, would it have been a competitive series? I don't even really remember who was good in like 2000, 2001. I think like the Lakers won the championship that year to maybe the New Jersey Nets. But do you feel like Jordan in the playoffs would have been a guy capable of carrying the Wizards into like at least a a first round victory and some sort of run? It was him, uh, Richard Hamilton, 
not much else. Chris Whitney averaged 10 <laughs> points a game. Courtney Alexander. Tyron Liu. Okay, so he wasn't on the Lakers this He must have been on the Lakers the previous year when Iverson stepped over him. Who I else? Hubert so. Davis, <laughs> Christian Leitner, Popeye Jones, Jahidi White, Brendan Haywood, young Kwame Brown, 19 years old, Eton Thomas. Yeah, there was not much talent whatsoever surrounding Jordan. But I don't know. Like, he... He did a lot in that All-Star game um, when it was hosted in D.C. He was, you know, going mano a mano with Kobe. It would have been just been fun to see Jordan back in the playoffs. Obviously, he was like 39 years old, so <laughs> who knows what he had right. in the tank. But I did mention every team 2000 through present, and while this team didn't make the playoffs, I, for one, no matter who I was at that time, I wouldn't want to see Michael Jordan. I wouldn't want to guard him. I wouldn't want him on me, for sure. Absolutely. And I just feel like, you know, if we were somehow able to make the playoffs, you know, the fact that, you know, it's it's Michael Jordan, you know, he has six championships under his belt. And even though, you know, he was 39, you know, pushing 40 at that point, I think he just the experience and knowing like, you know, what it takes, I think we would have made a great playoff run. And I think he mm. really brings the best out of everybody. So mm, I don't know. He didn't bring the best out of Kwame Brown. Well, I mean, I think he can work with people in a way to give them an edge. If that, I mean, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't. I mean, think if you're a tough-minded that, I mean, player, for sure. That, there's some players that you can't fix, <laughs> like Kwame Brown. But I think you know he would have brought the intensity, and it definitely would have been something to watch. So. Mm-hmm. It would be great I to agree. see him, you know, like so mentoring cool. John Wall or Kelly Oubre or Brad Beal, guys who just have that that fire in their heart the same way. Um, I absolutely think, you know, the question wasn't was, who was the best team since 2000 in terms of Wizards playoffs. It was who was the scariest opponent, so who would strike fear in, in, in your heart. And if you're going up against Michael Jordan, like, you know that this guy is the best competitor to ever play, so that's... That's someone you wouldn't want to face, but obviously that team didn't make the playoffs, and I just read through their roster, and <laughs> nobody right. was good except for Richard Hamilton. So we're going to take totally. one more quick break. In our final segment, we're going to be talking about Gilbert Arenas' latest Instagram video and his uh, kind of questioning the traditional belief that the best player is the most clutch player. So we'll come to that in just a second. Again, Becca Winkert and Noah Getzel here with Locked On Wizards, and we'll be right back. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, Wizards fans, welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. We are wrapping up here with one final segment with 
are kind of funky. He's kind of like that weird uncle of the Wizards now, I guess, Gilbert Arenas. Um, obviously, he had a, a bit of a, a strange dismissal from the team and then didn't really play in the NBA too much afterwards. So Gilbert went to Instagram and posted a really long-winded, um, I guess not like a rant, but like he was he was stating his mind. And basically, he said the media and fans, especially fans, want your superstars to be Michael Jordan. They want you to be the guys hitting the clutch, you know, go-to shots in the fourth quarter, but they're not always, even though they're not always that, they can still be the most valuable on their team, the most valuable on their league. They can still be a superstar and a legend, even if you know, they're not necessarily the most clutch players. So he gave the example of um, LeBron back when he was on Cleveland the first time, and, and later on where he had closers like Mo Williams, Dwayne Wade, and uh, Kyrie Irving, because he, like his, his skill set wasn't quite the same as Jordan's. He he wouldn't really, you know, he could hit step back threes later in his career. And when he has a full head of steam, nobody can stop him. But it, he kind of mentioned like the quick live dribble. Like once you start bouncing ball, he doesn't quite have the, the tight space um, ability that Jordan had to kind of just, even that guys like Carmelo had and uh, Joe Johnson and Sam Cassell. So a lot of players who you wouldn't typically associate as being superstars, guys like G- Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford, who play, you know, a very important team, I mean, a very important role in terms of being clutch and kind of the nucleus of a squad. So in your mind, do you feel like that's an accurate dis- description, that you can be incredibly clutch, but still not, I don't know, like a, a star player, and along the same vein, you can be an incredible player, you can be a guy like Tim Duncan who shuts everyone down defensively, yet you're not actually the the clutch performer who's going to have the ball in his hands. For that Spurs team, it might be Manu Ginobili instead. Do you feel like Gil is raising a good point that people don't think about? Absolutely. I mean, just, you know, every player has, you know, their their biggest and best skills, but not, you know, not every star player is going to have everything. Right. You know, like, it's just kind of like, for example, like, if you want to compare it to the Wizards, it's like, in terms of, like, being clutch, you know, obviously our star player is John Wall. And even though there are some crucial moments where he's clutch in a sense, where, you know, he did make that game six winner shot, and also, you know, during crucial moments, he knows where to pass the ball and things mm-hmm. like that. But shooting is not his is, you know, what he's good at in the clutch. So it's like, if we needed someone to shoot the shot last minute, you know, at the final... Yes, you know, who do you want shooting? Session. Everyone's waiting, everyone's waiting. Yeah. <laughs> we would, um... I feel like there's so many other players that would, you know, on the team that probably would handle it better because, you know, just just like, you know, shooting is a skill, passing is a skill, um... You know, speed is a skill, um, defensive efforts and blocks is a skill, being clutch is a skill, and it's, you know, being able to take the, you know, handle the pressure of taking that last shot and, you know, knowing that you're a great shooter and you're going to make it. It's like, it's it's a really difficult skill and not every single player is going to have it, and I, I don't think if a player doesn't have it, it doesn't make them not a star. It's just, you know, you want the person, just like, you know, 
if you want John Wall to have the ball in his hands a lot because he knows where to pass it and he knows how to um, give the Wizards offensive, you know, movement. But, you know, in terms of shooting, like, who's the best shooter on the team? Who do you, you know, who can handle the pressure? Like, mm-hmm. they should be shooting the clutch shot. So exactly. I, I, I have to say, I kind of agree with Gilbert. For once. As crazy <laughs> as his opinions can be sometimes and as wild as his rants can be, he's definitely not wrong on this one. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, there's definitely a lot of, I look at big men, especially like dominant centers like Shaq, if there's a second, a second and a half left on the clock. Like, what is Shaq going to do? He's not going to catch and, like, hit a fadeaway, you know? Maybe he can throw him a hoop or something. But, like, if there's one second on the clock and all you have time for is catch and shoot, of course I want John Wall throwing that pass. I trust him to make the best decision, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want him catching, you know, a falling away three. I wouldn't, I, I would want someone like Otto or... Beal or even possibly Ingray, mm-hmm. who's got, you know, the, the most swagger that I can ever imagine. I'd want him, you know, having the confidence to, sh- to step up and, and hit that shot. Um, and, you know, Wall has embraced his role as a facilitator, uh, an elite defensive player, and even at times a, a rim protector. He can be a scorer too, but, you know, when you're, you can't, in the NBA, it's really, really tough to score layups in the final clutch seconds. The refs usually swallow the whistle. Um, there are too many bodies in there. You need to be able to jump shot at the end of the game. And that's something that John Wall needs to continue to work on. It has been a pleasure having you on the podcast tonight. It's been about 30 or so minutes, so I think people might be tired of listening to me at least. Probably not you <laughs> since it's your first time. But I really appreciate well, uh, your you. willingness to come on and give the people what they want tonight and keep those WNBA dreams alive. You're not, you know, you're not 30 yet. You've got a couple years left. You just keep working those ball handling, keep working on your agility, keep dunking. You'll be in the NBA in no time. I mean, WNBA, uh, one of those, sure, whichever you sure. want. All right. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to practice at the elementary school across the street um, <laughs> for the, you know, for my summer it's like um, the NBA has their summer league. Well, I'm going to have my summer league over at the elementary school. So if anybody wants to challenge me, like, you know, let me know. So <laughs> Wolf season's coming. Don't you guys wait. Um, so th- that'll do it for tonight's Locked on Wizards. Uh, I will be back tomorrow with Locked on Raptors host Sean Woodley. We're going to talk about, you know, how the, the Raptors have been able to be successful so far and what might change in the series as it comes back home to the nation's capital for games three and four even though the wizards are down 0-2 right now keep in mind that three of the next the remaining five potential games would be at capital one arena and even though they, they weren't great the wizards weren't great at home it's definitely got to be an edge in their mind playing in front of their home crowd and not having to worry about Drake heckling them <laughs> from the sidelines. So tune in for that um, on Thursday night. We will have more for you, more coverage. Make sure to subscribe and tune in on Twitter and follow Becca at BeccaMVP. Follow all of the Wizards Extra and Locked On Wizards family. And that'll do it for us. Thanks again, Becca. Thank you. All right, good night, everyone. I guess it's why last winter she got so cold on me. She said, yeah, keep making that, keep making that platinum. Let me go for me.
again. But if you really cared for, then you wouldn't have never hit the airport to follow your dreams. Sometimes I still talk to her. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.